fans and welcome to this week in Nickelodeon history. This episode is going to be covering everything that either premiered or ended on Nickelodeon from April 11th to April 17th. And there isn't that many shows, but man, do we have some big ones to talk about. And and let's just start off strong because nine years ago on April 14th, 2012, The Legend of Korra premiered on Nickelodeon. Earth. Fire. Air. Water. Created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Koyetsko, this is the sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender. It takes place 70 years after the original show and follows the next Avatar in line after Aang, Korra. For as much as the design and art elements of the show uh, may seem familiar to those who watched Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra is certainly different in terms of character and tone. It goes for a more uh, mature tone that I'm sure resonated better with the aging audience that came out from Avatar The Last Airbender. Um And we're seeing a character who, from the time she was born, was able to train as the Avatar, whereas Aang, um, unfortunately, as he was, you know, still young, was frozen in an iceberg and was unable to continue his training. Korra started training at a very young age, and by the time we meet up with her at about the age of 17, she is already very well versed with all of the elements. So the the tone of the show, just even right off of the back, takes a, a different turn than what they did with the last show. It ran for four seasons and 52 episodes and is unfortunately one of the biggest fumbles in Nickelodeon history. Uh, the final four episodes of the third season of The Legend of Korra did not air on Nickelodeon and in fact were thrown at Nick.com, including the entire fourth season. Now, this wasn't uh, a part of an effort to bolster the numbers for Nick.com and make it a spot uh, to rival YouTube in terms of animation content. It was just unceremoniously uh, taken away from their network and kind of just tossed to Nicktoons and and even worse, just right on their website without any announcement. It just happened. Um, Some look at the declining ratings of the show and point to that as a reason, but for me, if, if there's declining ratings, then you stop making the show unless it was already all under contract to be made. Uh, the other reason a lot of people point to as a possibility of Nickelodeon's uh, inability to handle this show was the final scene of the entire series uh, depicted a budding relationship between two characters who were of the same sex, Korra and her friend Asami. Um a lot of people point to this as as um, a big reason as to Nickelodeon's switch from the network to the website, that they were getting a bit of cold feet of airing this kind of show on their network. Um, and, and that kind of answer is just unacceptable to me. Uh, I really hope that has nothing to do with, uh, with why they didn't want to air the show. Um, and if it is, it's just kind of sad uh, at, at this point. 
That aside, the show is now on Netflix and can also be viewed on Paramount Plus and will live on digitally in its full form and will be able to be seen by people from beginning to end, which I'm sure it works better. It's one of those shows that probably works better um, being able to binge the entire thing. I only watched the initial first season of The Legend of Korra and maybe a bit of the second season, but I can't point to the story or the characters or whatever reason I just became uninterested in the show, but it definitely didn't click with me the same way Avatar The Last Airbender did. But I still love the world, and I'm very excited to see what Michael and Brian are able to do with Avatar Studios. And I'd be very interested in knowing if they have any plans to go back to Korra and her story. I know that just like Aang, Korra uh, also had more comic book adventures that uh, I, I think were stories taking place after the show, um, but I, I have no idea where the comics take place, honestly. They could be in between seasons. They could be before. Uh, who knows? But, you know, after the show ended, there was at least more Korra content coming out in some way, shape, or form. 18 years ago, on April 12th, 2003, All Grown Up premiered on Nickelodeon. All Grown Up is a sequel to the show Rugrats and features the entire cast of characters living in the world 10 years later. This entire concept actually started with a television special celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Rugrats brand called All Growed Up, in which it was just kind of like a uh, through-the-looking-glass lens into the future of the Rugrats characters and what they're doing 10 years from now and, and how their personalities have grown now that they can actually communicate with their parents. Uh, and it was a it was a fantastic special. It blew up in the ratings. It was a massive success for Nickelodeon. And you just had to have known that this concept needed to be looked into further. And Nickelodeon was thinking about either making it a full-time series or even just continuing short one at you know one hour specials every other year or whatnot uh, which is an interesting concept and i think in an alternate universe out there they get all grown up specials every year and and who knows maybe those last a little bit longer because you're getting it in shorter batches uh but the show was a great success for nickelodeon uh don't want to discontinue that uh, it ran for five seasons with 55 episodes. Not as long as its predecessor, but I don't think it was ever meant to fully overtake it and last even longer uh, and have these characters go on into their high school years and whatnot. Uh, it was just a concept from a special that just happened to work as a bigger series. Uh, one of the most interesting things about watching the series and even re-watching the series as I've gotten older was that I was able to appreciate how well written each of the characters are. Um, they're believable teenagers, and they're also believable to have still remained friends. It feels natural. It doesn't feel feel forced. Um, sometimes in the special, the, the initial one that aired for the 10th anniversary, sometimes it feels forced that these characters would still be so close with each other like they were as, as babies. But as the series got moving forward, they were able to expand and have little clicks with one another and made it believable that they would hang out as a group. And I found that to be enjoyable, actually, on my second watch through uh, this past year. Now, I didn't get through the entire show again, but as I was watching through in order, uh, as the seasons went on, I, I found that I enjoyed it more and more and more as they were able to actually just kind of settle into their older selves because at first it was just a gimmick imagine playing babies for 
uh, uh, 10, 11 years, and then you're told, okay, now you got to play these characters as 10 years older moving forward. And I think as they got more comfortable with that age in mind, the show just got a little bit better as things went on. Um, I, I have nothing but good things to say about this show. Not many times do we get to grow up with uh, our animated characters. Uh, of course, if you watch something live action, you you grow with the actors portraying those characters on television. Uh, but with animation, you might get a special. You might, um, you know, in an episode, get to see what they look like in the future. There have been plenty of shows who have done that, like Jimmy Neutron and Dexter's Lab. Um, but to think about it, you, kids who are like four watching Rugrats when it first premiered and, and watching it throughout the 90s are 14 when this special airs and shows these characters around the same age. If you were in that group where you watched Rugrats as a, as a toddler and then got to see them around your age again, it was a special moment. And it's, it's, it's lightning in a, in a bottle. You're never going to be able to catch that again. Um, this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I'm glad they took the concept and, and went as far with it as they could. I think five seasons and 55 episodes is a is a very noble amount of content for the older Rugrats. Is there a market to continue this concept? Um, what if, I mean, there have been so many drawings online of what the characters would look like when they were in high school, but... Could that be done? Should that be done? Is that something that you just don't ever want to see? And I mean, you know, I guess that all depends on your on your opinion on All Grown Up. If you liked it and thought it was a success or you just didn't like it and it ruined Rugrats for you. Um, I'm, that's certainly possible. And I'm sure there's people out there who feel that. But uh, if you're a real fan of Rugrats, I don't think anything should should overshadow that. So now for me personally, I think there is room at least for uh you know maybe within an episode of the rugrats they have you know thoughts like almost like family guy cutaways of them older you know just to see visually what it would look like like that's that's all i would want to see what do the creators visually think these characters would look as uh as young adults 18 year olds that that would be pretty interesting uh but but a whole series or special around those characters i would i would really not be interested in that i uh yeah 27 years ago on april 16th 1994 all that premiered on nickelodeon all that created by mike tollin and brian robbins the current president of nickelodeon all that is a, a sketch comedy show think of saturday night live but through a nickelodeon lens um, you, you still have you still have reoccurring characters. You have reoccurring sketches. You have guest stars. You have a musical guest, um, and and all wrapped up in a whole Nickelodeon gift box that you're watching as a television. Um, this this show helped launch the careers of many celebrities, uh, and and even helped pave the way to other stars. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. But let's. I, there's so much to, to cover here. Uh, first off, the show has been running for 11 seasons with 206 episodes under its belt with three different incarnations of the cast. Uh, the original series ran from April 16th, 1994 to November 18th, 2000. It was then relaunched with a new cast on January 19th, 2002 and lasted until October 22nd, 
2005, after Brian Robbins became president of Nickelodeon, one of his first projects in mind was to revive all that once again, and it did on June 15th, 2019, and it is still running to this day. So there have been a lot of cast members on all that, and uh, originally I was thinking about only going with the original cast uh, that ended in the year 2000, since we're talking about the launch of the original all that. But then I realized that I forgot to mention the uh, revival, which premiered in January of this year. So then I was like, well, I am just going to go through the original cast and the first reboot cast. The uh, The second reboot cast is just going to have to wait until their premiere later this year. Um, now, I'm going to go in order of appearance of this list that I have of their years. Uh, we'll talk about a few of these names later, uh, but I'm going to quickly get through this. And I do apologize if I botch any names. I am doing this on the fly with a little preparation because uh, I wasn't prepared for most of this cast here. So, Angelique Bates, Katrina Johnson. Alyssa Reyes, Lori Beth Denberg, Kel Mitchell, Keenan Thompson, Josh Server, Amanda Bynes, Trisha Dixon, Zach McLemore, Leon Frierson, Christy Knowings, Danny Tamborelli, Victor Co. Lopez, Nick Cannon, Mark Saul, Gabriel Iglesias, Brian Hearn, Shane Lyons, Giovanni Samuels, Jamie Lynn Spears, Chelsea Brummett, Jack DeSana, Lisa Foyles, Kyle Sullivan, Christina Kirkman, Ryan Coleman, Lil JJ, Kiana Underwood, Denzel Whitaker. I don't know if you can tell my voice was a little raspy after that. Uh, I think the only name that I can I can remember really messing up uh, was uh, Leon Frierson. Want to make sure I get that right. He had some he had some sketches that I really enjoyed. Uh, but going through that list here, I mean. Kel Mitchell and Keenan Thompson, two of the biggest names in all that history, uh, right off the bat, went on to to star in a equally successful show in Keenan and Kel, uh, and in their own movie based off of one of all that's, I mean, one of the most famous all that sketch in history is of course Good Burger, which uh, had an, a theatrical movie directed by Brian Robbins and produced by him and Mike Tallinn. Um, the movie premiered July 25th, 1997, made $23.7 million at the box office and was starring Keenan and Kel. Uh, Kel, of course, reprising his uh, All That character, the most famous All That character to ever exist, Ed, the uh, worker of Good Burger. You're talking about a cult fan favorite, Good Burger. It's one of the the most coveted movies of the 90s. It's up there with a, the, a goofy movie. Um this this movie came from all that. There was so many great sketches uh, going through that list, thinking of uh, uh, characters like the loud librarian from Lori Beth Denberg, uh, Detective Dan, played by Josh Sherver, who also played Earboy, um, Amanda Bynes, uh, Ask Ashley, Danny Tamborelli, Fat Cop. Um, there, there's so many like you could go through. All, every incarnation of all that, even the new one, and find a character that makes you laugh. Um, the real MVP of this list, I think, has to be Kel Mitchell, who pretty much uh, played every funny character that you can think of on all that. And not to d d dismiss uh, other characters that other 
you know, actors played, but come on. I mean, you have Coach Creighton, you have Repairman, and of course, Ed, which which is just a fan favorite. It's an absolute fact. Uh, Keenan has Pierre Escargot. You have Super Dude. Um, he played Lester Oaks, construction worker, and plenty of sketches. And, and it, I mean, that first original group was so good and helped set the stage for everything that followed. Um, they gave us gold in in comedy when we were kids. Um, say maybe some of the jokes and sketches and characters might not make you laugh uh, 20, 30 years from now. But um, I'm sure you can look back and still appreciate the skills and charisma some of these actors had. I think all of the cast members who ever appeared on this show should be proud of what they were able to accomplish. Um, just knowing that any character you played, even if it was one time, hopefully somebody out there laughed at something you did. And um, and your character is going to be memorable to kids who watch it when they're young. The characters that, that are nostalgic to me are not going to be nostalgic to some seven-year-old who's watching the current all that. And it's nice that it kind of just keeps going on. Um, of course, we can't just forget to mention the fact that Keenan Thompson went on to to be on Saturday Night Live, the the adult version of sketch comedy, the biggest in the country, and has the it is the show's longest running cast member and is still on to this day. And you can see all of the roots in his sketch comedy career starting right at this moment. Um, but now let's get to the amount of shows that spun off from all that. Uh, and, and that spider web I mentioned earlier. Now, of course, I mentioned Keenan and Kel, which starred both Kel Mitchell and Keenan Thompson in their own their own sitcom. But then Amanda Bynes became such a popular actor that she was able to get her own show on Nickelodeon called The Amanda Show, which was a, a little bit like Chappelle's show in the way that Amanda would come out to the audience and introduce uh, video sketches. Because there were a ton of video sketches, fake commercials, things like that. Eventually, she did a a, a parody of drama series called Moody's Point that she would air to the audience. Uh, but then she did a lot of of live sketches. Of course, uh, Judge Trudy, one of one of my favorites. Uh, there was Block Blister, in which they would like Swede. Uh, movies, popular movies, and and pretend to be a blockbuster. Um, this show launched the careers of Drake Bell and Josh Peck on Nickelodeon into their own sitcom, Drake and Josh, which featured a young Miranda Cosgrove, who which eventually got her own show on Nickelodeon called iCarly, which then spun off into Sam and Cat, which then ended, and then I think that universe just kind of dropped and fell off the face of the planet. Um, that's that's just one strand of entertainment that that you can track all the way back to all that. Um, Nick Cannon, of course, eventually got his own Nickelodeon show because of all that. Eventually, Jamie Lynn Spears went from all that to her own Nickelodeon show, Zoe 101. And eventually there was also Just Jordan starring Lil JJ that we already mentioned a few times this year. So much has come from this show and it has such a rich history that... I'm glad that it's back on television. I'm glad that it's running. It's not going to probably make me laugh at my age right now, but I'm glad that there's kids out there that get to enjoy sketch comedy for children. Like there, there is an audience for it. Uh, and I'm glad they have a, a vehicle finally to, to produce that on television. I feel like there's still so much more to be said about all that, but there are so many more dates coming up throughout the year in which we get to talk about all that. So we'll be covering this a few more times and, and hopefully during then I'll have a few more memories. But if I leave you with one sketch to go and watch... 
please look up the sketch of cooking with Randy in which Chris Farley comes on as a chef who is obsessed with ketchup. Um, I believe there was a, a story. I think Keenan mentioned it. And there's also an interview. So you can look that up with Keenan about this working with Chris Farley. But he mentions that the chocolate cake they made, they told Chris not to not to mess with the cake because it was the only one they had. And uh, he eventually just slammed his body through the cake uh, in one. T- it's just it's comedy gold. It's absolute comedy gold. It's one of the I think it's one of the last things Chris Farley did in his life. Um, I don't know. I got to look up when that year was and when Chris Farley passed away. Uh, but but yeah, look that up on YouTube. Absolutely. One of my favorite clips cooking with Randy Chris Farley. Now, I could end it there. I could end it there on a massive high note, but this is about the history of Nickelodeon. Uh, and we should celebrate this because 39 years ago, on April 12th, 1981, uh, the Alpha Repertory Television Service Arts premiered. Uh, what is the Alpha Repertory Television Service, you may ask? Well, it's basically the programming that would take over for Nickelodeon when they ended their signal at 9 p.m. Um, for those that don't know how like old television worked, and this is before my time, this is back when there was like five channels available or, or whatnot. Maybe there was more when they were doing this, but channels would not be 24 hours. You wouldn't wake up at 3 a.m. and turn on the TV and watch uh, Comedy Central or Nickelodeon or Disney Channel. Um, you would wake up at three in the morning to static because some channels just went off the air or there would be just a screen of color or there would be a message saying, you know, please stand by something like that. Uh, Eventually some channels got into a 24 hour schedule. And so what would happen on Nickelodeon's channel is that when the, when the programming would stop at 9 PM Eastern standard time, uh, the programming of this network, which included highbrow, culture fair such as opera ballet classical symphonic performances dramatic theater productions and select foreign films now without getting into the the real technical stuff of what was going on behind the scenes just to keep it simple for today uh, until there's time to really expand into a uh, more documentary series on nickelodeon i would i would love to do one day um Eventually, this kind of programming was taken off of Nickelodeon's network on February 1st, 1984, 37 years ago. Um, And after it was taken off, it eventually got acquired, I believe, by A&E, who then went on to their own 24-hour cable channel. Um, Nickelodeon was left with this kind of empty space. Uh, and by July 1st, 1985, Nick at Night launched over the channel space from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. and aired old Donna Reed show episodes and continues on to this day, uh, usually with the older generation's favorite shows. Um, when I was a kid, it was shows that my mom liked. Um, and there's shows that I would watch now if I had children and they and they went to bed and Nick at Night took over. Hey, there's Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, I, I wish that Nick at Night would also acquire um, and use more of the Nickelodeon sitcoms like Keenan and Kel and all that. Um, because because, hey, look, I'm I'm 30 years old. If I had children right now and they went to bed and they were watching Nickelodeon and it turned on to Nick at Night and Keenan and Kel started playing, I would probably sit down and watch that 
uh, it makes sense. I mean, why use other networks, sitcoms like Friends, other than the fact that Friends is a, is a massive ratings hit? Uh, they should use some of their own content, too. But I digress. Uh, so, yeah, Nick at Night took over, and that was the history of, of this channel, the arts uh, the Alpha Repertory Television Service. We bid you farewell. And with that, this is This Week in Nickelodeon History. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. On the Lord of Hibbert, Nick. On the Lord of Hibbert, Nick, Nick. On the Ricky Tiggy Low, while living number one Nickelodeon.